Investor Creator teaches both seasoned and new investors how to buy the right houses at the right price anytime you want. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a sustainable six or seven figure investing business that changes your life without sacrificing your freedom? If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. All of this information is 100% free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Investor Creator, where I tell you the truth about what it takes to become a high-level six or seven-figure flipping investor. Guys, we've had a fantastic week with my company. We bought the third best deal of my career, and I know you're going to want to hear about that. I'm going to go over that when we talk about the deal of the day. My family and I are looking at going to Florida over the weekend. It's my wife's birthday. She's turning 32, so super excited about that. And I thought that I wanted to to get this podcast out to you guys before I left because I do think it's relevant for what we're seeing in the market right now. Guys, just yesterday, I had, I guess, four or five different investors from across the country, one in Dallas, one in Little Rock, one in Pittsburgh that I spoke to just yesterday. And everybody's getting concerned about the market. So there's talks in the real estate community, both with investors and with realtors about, is there a market crash coming on? Are we seeing leveling? And frankly, we're having a lot of people that are kind of preaching some doom and gloom. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, let's go ahead and talk about the deal of the day. This is a deal that we picked up in the past week. And this is, I guess, in the top three or four deals that I've ever done. So this is a single family house. It's about 3,000 square feet. It needs some renovation, but it is in a fairly wealthy area. Okay. It also has 10 acres. And that's part of the play on this deal. So to talk about the numbers, we bought this property for $400,000. That was subject to three hundred and seventy. dollars So in other words, there's a $370,000 loan that we're not personally qualifying for. We're just going to leave that mortgage in place. And we're going to take title to the property from the seller in exchange for giving them $30,000. So the $370,000 mortgage remains. We're paying $30,000 in cash for us to buy this property. Okay, so the purchase is $400,000. We're going to put about $50,000 in rehab on this property. So the property needs flooring, paint, a roof, it needs some bathrooms, it needs a kitchen. So it's about a $50,000 rehab in my market. So we'll have about $450,000 plus our holding cost in this property. So our exit, the way that it is, is $650,000. But the cool thing is that I mentioned that it had a 10-acre lot attached to the house. In this area, it's a five-acre minimum. So I can chop five acres off of this property, and that five acres is very valuable. So it looks like our total net on this property, one deal, is going to be somewhere around $283,000. Now, guys, that's a pretty good deal. And it's not my best deal, but it's certainly not my worst. And we wish we had more of these. But We're pretty happy to have picked that one up. The total rehab would probably take us about 45 days and we'll get this thing back on the market. So we're excited to jump into that. So without further ado, let's kind of jump into the market situation that we're having. Like I said, I've I've been talking to people and I talk to people all the time across the country, both realtors and investors, because I like to keep kind of a, a macro perspective of the real estate market. And it's amazing all the doom and gloom that I'm hearing from people. Do we have problems in the real estate market? 
I don't know if we have problems. I would say that we have some issues that are not to the level of what people are saying. So we see that prices are beginning to level. We see that there's not as much buyer demand. We see that interest rates are rising. Donald Trump just hammered the Fed about rising rates again. We're looking at mortgage rates that are approaching 5%. And that's the first time that we've seen that since, depending on where you look, around 2011. And it's just becoming a different market. But what does that really mean for us as real estate investors? So, you know, keep in mind, guys, I started in 2010. And back in 2010, I mean, we were at the very, very bottoms of the 2008 financial crisis. And guys, for real estate as an asset class, that crisis was a total depression. Because whenever I managed a model home in 2006 and 2007, we would have 13, 14, 15 people in the model home at a time. You know, we went four months and nobody showed. I remember because I was selling real estate at the time, during the 2008 meltdown, you had a company called Countrywide, which was, I guess, probably the largest mortgage originator in the country at that time. And they were holding a lot of C and, I guess, C minus paper. So they had these subprime loans and they were collateralizing them with the CDOs and selling them off and some of them they were keeping. And, you know, so most of the transactions that I had as a realtor was through that company. So I would recommend to my buyers, hey, here's four or five banks, but this is the main one that people go to because their underwriting was very, very quick and their rates were pretty good. So that was countrywide at the time. And we had transactions where we were literally at the closing table. My buyer was closing, signing all the paperwork. And we would wait days for the wire because Countrywide was literally out of cash and ended up Bank of America bought Countrywide and took on that paper. But it's amazing to me the level that of an issue that was versus the amount of bad talk that I'm hearing right now in the real estate market. And I think a part, big part of it is a lot of people are just unseasoned. You know, even as a, a younger guy, I'm 32 years old, but even as a younger guy, I've been in this now. I guess almost 15 years. So I got my real estate license when I was 18 and I was actually in real estate school, registered for real estate school when I was 17, but I couldn't take the state exam until I was 18. And I think about that. There are a lot of real estate agents that have never seen a buyer's market. They've never even seen a level market. And they expect that if a house hasn't sold in 30 days, that we're looking at a buyer's market. And that is just not the case. Guys, these people just aren't seasoned. And that's one of the things that I, I spoke with my friends across the country that are investing at a super, super high level. So let's just kind of jump into it. There's a few articles that I think are pretty relevant. Forbes has an article, Red Flags That Indicate a Real Estate Market Crash. CNBC has an article, The Hottest Housing Market in the U.S. is Up 13% and Now May Be Headed for a Crash. Uh, Business Insider says America's housing market is raising a, quote, large red flag, end quote, for the economy. But the one that I want to focus on is an article by Bloomberg Businessweek. And this article is titled, The U.S. Housing Market Looks Headed for Its Worst Slowdown in Years. So I'm just going to read this. It's a fairly short article, but I think it's going to really talk about what we're trying to hit here. So let's go, go ahead and jump in. They were fed up with Seattle's home bidding wars. They were only in their late 20s, but had already lost two battles and were headed to renew with their landlord. Then in May, their agent called. Suddenly, Redfin's agent Godwin told them the couple 
Sellers were getting jumpy, even here in the hottest of markets. Homes that should have vanished in days were sitting on the market for weeks. There was a three-bedroom fixer-upper just north of the city going for $550,000, down for more of $600,000. They made the leap in early June and had closed by the end of the month for list price. The U.S. housing market, particularly in cutthroat areas like Seattle, Silicon Valley, and Austin, Texas, appears to be headed for the broadest slowdown in years. Buyers were getting squeezed by mortgage rates and by climbing prices about twice as fast as incomes, and there's only so far they can stretch. This could be the beginning of a turning point, said Robert Schiller, a Nobel Prize-winning economist who is famed for the warning of the dot-com and housing bubbles in an interview. He stressed that he isn't quite ready to make that call yet. The data. A slew of figures released this week gives ample evidence of at least a cooling. Existing home sales dropped off in June for a third straight month. Purchases of new homes are at their slowest pace in eight months. Inventory, which plunged for years, has begun to grow again as buyers move to the sidelines, sapping the fuel surge, surging home values. Prices for existing homes climbed 6.4% in May, the smallest year-over-year gain since early 2017, and have gained the least over three months since 2012, according to Federal Housing Finance Agency. Shares of Pulte Group fell as much as 4.9%. Pulte is a home builder. 4.9% Thursday morning after the National Home Builder reported that orders have declined 1% from a year earlier, blaming rising mortgage rates. Home prices are plateauing, said Ed Stantonfield, chief property economist at Capital Economics Limited in London. People are saying, let's just bide our time. There's no great rush. If we wait six or nine months, we're not going to lose out on getting a foothold on the ladder. That means, quote, we're now looking at a period in which prices move more or less sideways or increase no more quickly than growth in incomes over the next few years. Stansfield projects a 5% gain this year and a 3% increase in 2019. That compares with a 10.7% increase in 2005, shortly before the crash. Supply lines. Some of the most expensive markets where sales were falling under the weight of prices were now seeing substantial increases in supply, according to Redfin Corporation. In San Jose, California, inventory was up 12% from June, from a year earlier. It rose 24% in Seattle and 32% in Portland, Oregon. Wow. Those big jumps are from low numbers, so the housing crunch is still a serious problem. Inventory has increased quite a bit, Godwin, the Seattle agent said. We're seeing less competition. Dustin Miller, an agent with Windmere Realty Trust in Portland, said he's trying to manage sellers' expectations, something he hasn't had to do since the end of the last housing boom. One customer, a baby boomer, moving to a new home across the state, expected to have buyers fighting over her house. She got one bid below her asking price. Buyers want to shop and take some time as opposed to having to rush and throw offers in, Miller said. It's the housing market correcting itself. At some point, you hit a peak of momentum and then things level off. This new wariness was noticeable in the latest consumer sentiment data from the University of Michigan. In its preliminary July survey, 65% of Americans said it's a good time to buy a home, the lowest since 2008 when the economy was still in recession. Still, market watchers note that the housing sector has strong support from healthy labor markets, strong, steady economic growth, which indicates a stabilizing trend for home prices rather than anything close to the experience of the crisis when property values plunged. 
and shares of D.R. Horton Incorporated, which builds a lot of starter homes, rose as high as 8.7% Thursday morning after the company reported a 12% jump in orders. The rate of home sales new and existing has probably peaked, said Ian Shepardson, chief economist at Pantherson Macroeconomics. But it's not going to roll over. It will gently decline. The homeownership rate in the second quarter was 64.3%, up from 63.7% a year earlier, according to the U.S. Census Bureau data released Thursday. While there appears to be a slowdown in the growth rate of home sales and prices, it is not slowed rising homeownership, Freddie Mac chief economist Sam Cater said in a statement, though he added that the rate is a full percentage point below the 50-year average, reflecting, quote, the long-lasting scars from the Great Recession and the lopsided nature of recovery. Guys, this article is the basic idea that I have that we're going to see a leveling off and no crash. But if you type in real estate crash on Google and you look at the news articles, you can see a significant amount of information there of people that would disagree with me. Or at least they want to gain the traffic of being the naysayer. Guys, so what are we going to do as investors? What is our takeaway from this information? Number one, I want to talk about what the past few years have looked like. And this is across multiple markets, multiple states that I have invested in in the past eight years. I think I've I bought in nine states in the past eight years. You know, we saw at, during the bust the, the greatest calamity that a real estate market, I guess, could experience because there's no financing. So it, it almost became impossible to get a mortgage unless you had just spotless credit, you had strong job history, and you had money for down payment. You know, that was a far cry from the ninja loans, no income, no job, no assets that we saw back in 2006, seven and early 2008. I had, whenever I was selling real estate, I had a buyer that bought three houses with a part-time income. And I knew that didn't really make sense to me, but he was able to do it. And that's how easy credit was back then. It was easier to buy a house than it was, was to buy a car. And there's no doubt about that in my mind. So we go from that scenario to the plunging depths of plummeting prices, everybody going into foreclosure. You know, there was all these rising interest rates and balloon mortgages that people had taken out, uh, teaser rates that were getting adjusted. And the Fed came in and lowered all these rates, trying to, to prop it up. And I guess that that's the only reason we didn't go into a serious depression was the, the move that Bernanke made. And we look at what happened. And the overall activity in the housing market, you know, guys, the peak then was based on easy credit. The peak now is based on lowered supply. So cash and credit is not as easy to get now as it was in 2005, six, and seven. So whenever I look at everything, I look at the overall fundamentals. The fundamentals are far more sound right now than they were back then. But let's just say that we do enter a declining market, which is possible. I think a, a 5 or 10% decline over the next five years is not probable, but it's very possible. So what do we do as investors? Number one, nobody really knows what this market is going to do. And anybody that tells you that they know just frankly is lying. Okay? Nobody really knows. There's no systemic banking risk. Prices are up because of, of more of a supply issue. But now, guys, is the time to go back to fundamentals. Okay. And people were not being fundamentalist investors over the past four years. I sold a house to a couple of guys 
I bought a house for $50,000 and three doors down, the same square footage house, same year built, everything very comparable was on the market pending for 183. So I was going to rehab this house. Mine did need some work, but I had a couple guys come by and they offered me $132,500 for the house as is. So obviously I took it. I made 80 something thousand dollars on the deal just to walk away. Well, they put in about 120 grand. So the $183,000 house was the highest comp ever in this area. So they go in, pay 130 and some change, put in another 100K plus, blow comps out of the water. They still make something. I think they might have made 15 grand. They ended up selling this house at like 300 grand. I never thought it would appraise. But that's the kind of stuff that has worked the past four or five years. Guys, that's not fundamental. What wins championships are being really, really great at fundamentals. Having a great jab, having great tackles, being able to pass a basketball, having a great swing. Okay. Whenever we look at what are the fundamentals of what we do, guys, we have to buy equity. We have to buy equity in every single deal as is. I'm fine with forced appreciation through a rehab, but we cannot go in and pay market value for something like we've been able to do the past three or four years in these really hot markets, put in a great rehab and say, well, hey, you know, this is comparable to three or four miles away. Guys, that's not going to work anymore. Okay, we have to buy equity day one. Number two, we have to have cash reserves. This is something that I think a lot of people have discounted because the days on market has been like literally less than five in some of these markets. So I could put a house on the market and alleviate all my cash knowing that this house is 100% going to sell in the next 48 hours. And then I'm going to have my check in 30 days. Guys, we don't know when some of these houses are going to, going to be moving. So we have to have cash and cash reserve, reserves in addition to, to probably being a little bit more selective with our purchase right now because we don't know what this market's going to turn into. We have to be fundamental. We have to be conservative. All right. And number three, this is something that I'm going to start doing just to create velocity of our cash. So we're going to start setting pricing maybe 3%, maybe 5% below the comparable sales. Because the comparable sales that we had were in an environment where we had sub 5% money. So the buyers were getting, you know, four and a quarter, four and a half percent money. We're approaching 5% now as far as the the 30-year rate. So those comparable sales were in a a little bit different market whenever we look at interest rates. So we're going to start pricing our houses a little bit cheaper so that we can create velocity of cash. So what I mean by that is we want to put a house on the market, even if we don't make as much, take the, the game, take the cash, go back in with other investments. And it's through that churn that we're going to make more cash at the end of the day. Okay, So it's not necessarily what we make on one house. It's just as important about how quickly we get the cash and where the money's going. Okay, We can always make 10 or 15% on our money by lending, which is something that I'm starting to consider doing. But we want the money to come in and come in quickly. There's no point in to make another five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars to have a house sit on the market another 60 or 90 days. Okay. Guys, I hope that makes sense. If you have any questions, be sure and let me know. Appreciate you guys. And we will talk to you next time. Happy investing.